Truth Still Matters, episode number seven. Come one, come all. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Truth Still Matters. The human person is made for truth. Despite this dictatorship of relativism, we breathe every day. This podcast exists in the stream of the new evangelization championed by Pope John Paul the Great and continued with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. We will have the opportunity to learn and reflect on the timeless truths revealed by God and deposited in the Catholic Church. If you're looking for apologetics or theology that can be applied to your life right now, you've found a new home. Stop drowning in the world of opinion and embrace yourselves for truth still matters. Peace and blessings to you and yours. Thank you so much for subscribing and downloading the seventh episode of Truth Still Matters. I want to thank you so much for the reviews that are coming in on HubertSanders.com. And also remember that you can take this podcast on the go with you on your iPhone or your iPad or your iPad mini. Look for Truth Still Matters or Hubert Sanders in the iTunes store. And let's get this word out of the fullness of the truth that's available in Christ Jesus and in his church, which goes back 2,000 years. Today's episode is dealing with the Old Testament and the New, how to read both of them together. The technical term for this is typology. Typology? Yeah. <laughs> typology. This is such an interesting way of diving into the sacred scripture. When we read the old, we read it in, in union with the new. And when we read the new, it's in union with the old. And the scripture comes alive. The church fathers would read the scripture uh, according to types or using typology all the time. And I'd like to take this episode to look at one example of typology. You and I together, let's look at a type of Christ reflected in Isaac. Are you ready? The sacred scripture is a great treasure given to the children of the church. The sacred scripture is literally God breathed. God inspired the human author to write only what God wanted written and nothing more. The sacred scripture is born out of a family community, a family of faith. Hence the title of this slide, Faith Book. Not Facebook, Faith Book. And we have an opportunity to take a look at the Old and the New Testaments and the union that exists 
between the two. The technical term for this undertaking or discernment is typology. Typology. What's a type? Typology will be the study of types, right? What's a type? A type is a person, place, or thing, or event that prefigures or foreshadows the reality of Christ. This is typology. And this is a great tool in studying the connection between the Old and the New Testaments. St. Augustine, who was a North African church father, states the following. The New Testament is hidden in the Old, and the Old Testament is unveiled in the New. Every page of the Bible speaks of Christ. The written word speaks of the true word. We can only detect that with the eyes of faith. And it's a very exciting way of reading the Bible. Now, the Old Testament, its principal purpose is to direct the reader, to prepare the reader for the coming of Christ. Okay, sure, the Old Testament has value in and of itself. It is the true word of God, even though there are elements within the Old Testament that are temporary and provisional. But Dei Verbum, which is the dogmatic constitution on divine revelation, declares that the principal purpose to which the plan of the Old Testament was directed was to prepare for the coming of Jesus. The Old Testament is looking forward to and contains many different prophecies of one to come. What are the, the odds of one person fulfilling all of these prophecies? I've got a video clip for you. Let's watch. Scholars have determined that Jesus fulfilled at least four dozen major prophecies, each written a minimum of three centuries before his birth. Their content ranged from specific details about his life to the symbolic implications of his death. Psalm 22 gives a poetic picture by David, written in the first person, of what the Messiah will be like in his suffering. And one of the things he says is that they will pierce my hands and my feet. Now, David wrote, before crucifixion was known, probably by about 300 years. So Isaiah 53 says he was pierced through. It gives us the reason for his death. He was pierced through for our iniquities. So there's a purpose. He dies not just because he's a martyr, but because he's a substitution for sin. A college professor of mathematics and science named Dr. Peter Stoner wanted to determine what the odds were that any human being throughout history could fulfill the messianic prophecies. So he had his students come up with very conservative estimates of the likelihood of any human being fulfilling certain of these predictions. And then they just ran the numbers. And what they determined is that the odds of any human being fulfilling 48 of these ancient prophecies would be one chance in a trillion, 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 trillion.
Isn't that amazing? Christ Jesus fulfills all of these prophecies. See, Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a great moral teacher. He is God and he brings God to you and I by him tabernacling among us. This is what he brings to us. This is what Pope Benedict XVI puts forth in his book, Jesus of Nazareth. People ask the question, what did Jesus bring? Wars didn't stop. Peace doesn't, didn't come about in a new and unprecedented way. What did he bring if he's the Messiah? He brought nothing less than God. You and I know that God wants to relate to us as family. This is the nature of a covenant. And what I would like to take the time to do right now is to look at a major covenant established with Abraham in the book of Genesis. This covenant provides the blueprint for the rest of salvation history. In Genesis 12, we have God promising Abraham three things. Land, number one. Number two, that he will have a great name. And number three, his family will be the source of a worldwide blessing. Now, these start off as promises, but as Genesis moves on, these promises are upgraded to sacred oaths. God swears by himself that he is going to deliver. And the rest of salvation history really provides a fulfillment of these three promises. We have the land being fulfilled in Moses. We have the great name being an idiom for a dynastic kingdom to be established. And this is fulfilled in David. And then we have the worldwide blessing being fulfilled in Christ. There's a particular event that occurs, and this is the, the focus of this podcast, in God uplifting the promise of a worldwide blessing to a covenant oath, and this is the sacrifice of Isaac. Yes, Isaac, the long-awaited son of Abraham through his wife, Sarah. You know the story, she was barren. She could not have children, and Abraham and Sarah look to get creative. So they bring in his maidservant, Hagar. God says, no, I promise, I swear by myself that I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. You can't make shift this thing. Eventually, God delivers on his promise and Isaac is born. And what does God do? He asks Abraham for Isaac back. Yeah, he calls for Isaac's sacrifice. What does Abraham do? Does he complain? Does he say, Lord, it took you so long to deliver and now you want me to give him back? He doesn't do any of that. Abraham's a man of faith and he obeys. And this event really speaks volumes of the coming of Christ. Watch this. Isaac is described in the text as the only son whom you love. The only son who's the father, Abraham. And he's, the, he's described as the only son whom you love. Does that sound familiar? Think of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? 
that he gave his only son, his only begotten son. Let's see a connection there. Again, let's look at Isaac. Isaac is offered by his father, Abraham. Jesus is offered by his heavenly father. Isaac is innocent. Jesus is truly the pure, innocent one. Look at Isaac. Isaac submits to the father's will. Most of the time we think of Abraham having faith. Isaac had to have faith too. He submitted to the father. What do we have with Jesus? Complete submission to the heavenly father's will. Continuing, we have Isaac carrying his own wood for the sacrifice. What do we have Jesus doing as he walks up the mountain? He's carrying his own wooden cross. Now, the story reaches a high point when Abraham raises his arm with the knife in hand and he's ready to take his son's life. And there's an angel that sounds out, Abraham, Abraham. To make a long story short, God stops Abraham from sacrificing his son. And he provides for the sacrifice himself. What does he provide? A ram. God provides. And the thing is, the ram is found with its head caught in a thicket of bushes. Does that sound familiar? This leads us forward to the ultimate sacrifice, not of Isaac, but of Jesus. And in this situation on Calvary, the father doesn't stop the crucifixion. What was prepared for before is now brought to complete fulfillment in the sacrifice of Christ, who is the true Lamb of God. We have God himself providing the perfect sacrifice here. Jesus being the Lamb of God and his head is caught in the real thicket of thorns, the crown of thorns. We have Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. What great faith of Abraham and Isaac. And this faith was shown even before Abraham rose his hand to take out his son. Look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. We have Abraham saying to his servants that Isaac and himself, they're going to go and then both are going to come back. Now Isaac knows that the Lord has called for the sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham knows this, but yet he, he tells them, that Isaac and I are going to come back. We see here a kind of implicit knowledge or faith that God is going to make this thing right. Does Abraham know exactly how? No, he doesn't. But he's walking in faith and he trusts that God knows. Let you and I reflect on this trust that Abraham and Isaac have shown and let us know that this example is given to point forward to the ultimate love of the Heavenly Father, allowing His Son to give His life for you and I. The true sacrifice that justifies us 
before our God. Amen. Suffered and died for me